Welcome, welcome once again to This Is It's More Than Just Fights. I am your host, the real deal, Ricky Roller. Joining me here today, we have, once again, Trevor Bentley, local former fighter from the Battle Creek, Michigan area. Joining us today as a special guest, we have Ron, the Street King London, fighting out of Battle Creek, Michigan, just recently made his pro debut uh, April 8th at Motor City Casino for Clips, Carlos Lina's International Promotions. Shout out to Clips again, and those guys, Carlos and John, and all the work that they do for the local fighters here in Michigan and around this region. Um, with that being said, we are here today joining you at the first half of the podcast with MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, regional, any any combat sports talk you can think of, minus pro wrestling. We'll dive into that a little bit later into the podcast, so for those of you that tuned in for that, just stay tuned. That will be coming later. Uh, first things first, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to get some of the uh, highlights up for the Tank Davis-Ryan Garcia fight that happened uh, a weekend or two ago. Um a lot of a lot of anticipation regarding this fight. A lot of speculation as to what was going to happen, who was going to come out on top. Um, as those of you, I'm sure, that are listening and pay attention, even those that are just basic casuals, I'm sure at this point have seen that Ryan did lose to Tank via a body shot. I do believe it was in round five. I could be wrong. Again, if I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody will correct me like before on that. But... Uh, Ryan was also dropped early, round two, um, and I was I was kind of, I don't know about you, Trevor, or Ron, but I, I was kind of disappointed as we're watching the highlights now of Ryan's performance in, in the fight overall against Tank. I feel like as a Hispanic fighter, he should have, as, as most of them have done, like Eddie Alvarez just did recently. Granted, he got the win, but go out there and die on your shield, and I feel as though he had multiple excuses as to why he took the loss, but... Overall, Ryan showed his inexperience and his lack in knowledge and age, in my opinion, in this fight. He couldn't have said it any better. Uh, I figured Ryan was going to come out with a lot more heat, you know. Um, I I agree. I, I, th I thought Ryan was definitely going to come out, and I felt as though he was going to press the pace early, but... I, I again I called it round five I, I said it would be a finish round five granted I was a Ryan Garcia fan I wouldn't even say so much fan as much as supporter I felt as though Ryan had the reach Ryan had the speed he would figure him out in the earlier rounds he would drop him early and he would finish him in five on a contrary uh, that was tank that got the early drop and the finish in round five uh Trevor me and you talked a little bit about it um as far as excuses with Ryan he did bring up and mention the fact that there was a mole in his camp, is what he claimed. He uh, he mentioned the fact that uh, he had somebody that was feeding Tank and Tank's camp information. And then the kicker for me after his accusations on that is, I've been a fighter. I'm, I'm currently a coach and a corner man. There's no way, win, lose, or draw, if my fighter is in a fight as highly ticketed and advertised as this one, that I am not showing up for that post-fight interview, I correction, post-fight press conference with my fighter. Right. I mean, as as one who's been on both sides, that's that's a lot of red flags in my opinion. Well, yeah, there's, there's the 
had to advise right from the beginning of it right down to like you were saying one of those excuses of being what was it four pounds three pounds yep there there difference or something like yep that. there there was a little bit of a weight discrepancy it was a little more weight than ryan's used to cutting and tank in typical tank fashion learning from i, I don't care what anybody says this is a sport this is a sport not a fight yes you're fighting but it is a sport and the objective of the sport of boxing is to get hit and not be hit. It's not to entertain us fans, unfortunately, as much as we want that. It is to hit and not be hit. And the greatest to do that of all time, and I'm going to get a lot of backlash for this, is Floyd. Because Floyd is the greatest at that sport. You look at basketball. Who, who in your cons your consideration, Ron, is the greatest three-point shooter of all time? Curry, for sure. Okay, and, and does that... Because you feel like Curry is the greatest three-point shooter of all time because he predominantly shoots threes. My argument being Ray Allen was just as good and had the record, but he drove the lane more. So so because, because Ray does something different than Curry and, and his concept and, and his idea of doing it, even though he's just as good, he's not the GOAT a good argument so i understand people's argument as to why ali would be the goat and i understand you know but if we're just evaluating who is the best at three-point shots who has the most curry right now yeah who, who has the, who has the highest percentage curry for sure okay so therefore if we're going statistic based off best three-point shooter no matter what anybody says about what ray allen did how different times were this that and the third curry statistically is the best based off the stats in the sport NASCAR, we could go the same route. A lot of people say Dale Earnhardt, uh, Richard Petty, and Jimmy Johnson will all have, have seven titles, are the greatest NASCAR drivers of all time. A lot of people say, statistically, Tom Brady would be the greatest, holding all the records that he holds and all the trophies and Super Bowls that he holds as a quarterback in the NFL. So if we're going statistics and, and stat-based for every other sport, we have to give credit where credit is due, and Floyd was the greatest at hitting and not getting hit. He, he mastered that. And on top of mastering that, he mastered the circus of boxing, which is what Gervonta Tank Davis is doing now. He's putting these stipulations and these rules and these, these agreements on these fights in his favor. Why am I going to fight Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, for example, at full health when I know there's a higher chance I'll lose? No, I'm going to wait till later in his career. Oh, now Pacquiao's got an injury too. Let me take that fight and make sure I put it in the contract that the injections he uses during training, he can't use fight men. A lot of people don't realize Floyd did that when he finally fought Pacquiao. Floyd was the master at that. Gervonta is taking notes, and he's following in Floyd's footsteps. So I understand the casual fan being upset about that, but both of you have been competitors in the ring. So as a competitor, you have to understand that it is a sport, and can we really knock a guy like Tank Davis for putting all them stipulations on a fight? He's fighting his fight. That's the best way to explain it. He's out there to get that win by any means necessary, and he's going to, like, feel like he earned it. the better, right? I feel like he earned it. Yeah. At this point, he earned he earned them easy fights. He, he has a hell of a resume. Exactly. He really does. So... Does that say, should should we hold more negative opinion on Tank for setting it up that way? Ooh, as we watch the beautiful left hand that dropped Ryan. Beautiful left hook. Left upper hook, to be to be correct. No, but, everybody was saying 
that um, Ryan was gonna get t- uh, tanked by a body shot. Yep. And the fight ended. And that leads right back into what I was saying. Do we, do we now because we now know it's been confirmed that Ryan did have a rib injury before this fight, and it also has been confirmed that the mole leaked that information to Tank Davis's camp, which that's another excuse that Ryan's using. And that there's no excuses in fighting because anything can happen in fighting. So my my back to my comment regarding Tank and the stipulations. Should we look more negatively upon Tank for the stipulations, or should we look more negatively upon a, a young up-and-comer like Ryan Garcia who had a chance to be the next Floyd or the next you know, greatest, but he's too young, too eager, and too naive, didn't recognize that he was injured, that he had a mole in his camp, and that this guy made him come to his show and fight under his stipulations. You don't, you don't see Tank Davis doing that. You didn't see Floyd Mayweather doing that. You didn't see Ali doing stuff like that. Look look at a lot of the guys that Tyson fought. A lot of the guys were guys that were mid-card guys because he, he had a promoter that was booking his fights smart. He was picking his fights. So who are we to chastise and criticize Tank Davis for calling out one of the top guys because he knows how young and naive he is? Shouldn't we look more negatively upon Ryan Garcia for, as I just said, being that, I guess, that young, dumb, and stupid? I mean, I, I guess, I guess the the one comment and then the silence is enough to, to say all we had to say on that. Tank's definitely showing his maturity and his growth and understanding for more than just in ring. When it comes to boxing, he's understanding the circus like Floyd did, and Tank's on his way to the top. As for Ryan, I hope this kid can can bounce back from this. Right now, his only option, in my opinion, is to go the Lomachenko route and just take every tough fight you can and take every loss on the chin and keep pushing. Lomo's doing that and has a huge fight coming up, so we'll we'll see what the future holds for Ryan. But I definitely know that that Tank Davis is is on his way to to much bigger and and brighter things. But uh, while we're on the subject of bigger and brighter things, uh, get on the subject of a little off-topic boxing, some celebrity route with a guy that's known for being bright and bedazzled and out there with his jewelry and uh, blue face. I don't know if anybody even bothered to watch uh, Kingpin Boxing a weekend or two ago. Uh, Blueface had a, a boxing debut for BKFC a while back, and uh, he's not impressive. <laughs> the, the guy's never boxed before, and it shows, but he's got heart. And he went out there and fought another YouTuber, I think it was, Ed Matthews. A guy that, you know, he had one or two Amy fights, and, you know, he had done one of these celebrity boxing matches and had won, but... Man, Blueface went out there and absolutely, for all five rounds, put it to this guy as much as he could. Dropped this guy in round two, had a standing eight in round three. I'm pulling it up right now for the guys to be able to see. Had, I think, two standing eights in round four. And then, um, I do believe with one second left in round five, after a standing eight in round five, got the TKO finish in the corner. Now, Blueface was winning on the cards, dominate. So, I mean, that you guys both know what kind of heart it takes to get in there, especially in front of thousands of people. No headgear. I don't care if you're in 10 or 16-ounce or 2-ounce gloves. You know, a crowd is a crowd. Trevor, we all know you know that firsthand. But it, it, it's a little different, in my opinion, for, like, Blueface and YouTubers and all that. They're used to the public 
the public viewing only and that's a good argument that's a good know, argument so sure. i mean compared to like my last fight in cage at wxc where i froze under the crowd and shit so i mean i'm not no rapper or youtuber you know the crowd is more of a hype in my opinion for them guys understood to a degree but my 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 appreciation and my reading is in him bringing Blueface in this fight up. After this fight was done, after putting all that heart and that effort, take good, clean shots, you know what I mean? He, and to showboat, Ron, you know how that is, to feed into the crowd and give the crowd what they want no matter what's going on, what kind of shots you're taking, how you're feeling. You're feeding into the crowd and you're a crowd entertainer. And that's what the draw is regarding Blueface right now. So he gets the mic after the fight and he's asked, who do you want to call out? Anybody. He, not anybody, no, this man is smart and I have respect for Blueface for this. This tells me he understands what it takes to be in there. Because he sees what Jake Paul and these other celebrities are doing at that level. His words were, honestly, there's nobody at my level worth calling out. So that tells me that Blueface recognizes there's levels to this shit. You can't just get in there and throw on gloves and be a guy in the street that can throw hands and think you're going to hang with a real boxer. And he understands that. But he also understands his face value and his ticket draw. So I like that. I, I like the humbleness for the sport, but I like the recognition for the clout behind his name. There's nobody at my level worth calling out. He's not just in it for the paycheck. He's also in it for the name. Already rich, baby. One of the best ones to get. And that's... That that's that's why I wanted to bring that up because you don't you don't see a lot of guys that are undercard like that lower level that are still putting in that kind of respect and effort and God damn man, I'm just I'm I'm impressed with the fact that he got the finish with one second left in the fight after getting like six or seven stoppages. The guy knew he won the fight, but he wanted to give the crowd what they wanted, which was a finish. That's and you guys are seeing he was taking some flurries and some shots, you know, he was he was in a fight. This Ed Matthews, he's probably about 5'8", 175, 180, and he, he was trying to give it to Blueface. Blueface is 6'5", so he's, he's not got a lot of body. But on the subject of, of celebrity boxing, uh, Nate Diaz <laughs> was in a recent scandal. I don't know if you guys caught that, where he assaulted a Jake Paul, Logan Paul lookalike. Uh, street fight, right? Yep, choked him out and then turned himself into police and... Before it was revealed that this guy is also a trained fighter, amateur, but trained fighter, and it, there's been video proof and his lawyers are going to end up proving that it was self-defense, before he turned himself in, KSI had came out and responded to Jake Paul because he recently had a celebrity boxing match not that long ago that he won, and he called out Jake Paul after his victory. Now, mind you, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Morrison, now known as Johnny Boxing, formerly known of Eminem from WWE, Melina, Mercury, and Nitro. Mm -hmm. He won his pro boxing debut, and he called out KSI. KSI completely ignores him, calls out Jake Paul, is ignored, um, I think it was three weeks ago, and then when this stuff happens with Nate, KSI comes out and says, hey, I thought you were supposed to, on Twitter, I thought you were supposed to avenge your little brother's loss. If Nate can't make it, I'll be glad to show up and make weight, da-da-da-da-da. Jake Paul's response to KSI was he appreciates it, he respects it, and he'll let him know what's going on. 
So what are your guys' thoughts on, regardless of the Nate Diaz fight, because Logan Paul's loss in boxing other than Floyd is the KSI, and that one's on record. That's not an exhibition. Jake Paul got into boxing to avenge his brother's loss, and he's yet to do so against KSI. What are your guys' thoughts on a Jake Paul-KSI boxing match? I feel like they fight really similar. Uh, there's a lot of cracks in both of their... Both of their... Both of their... I don't, I don't, know, how, I don't know how to say it, but... Both of their styles, both of their forms of boxing show weakness. Yeah. yeah, they're not top pros yet. Jake Jake is, I feel like, I feel like Jake will be KSI's roadblock. Trevor? It's a tough decision for me. I mean, they're both the kind of like just big names right now, you know. They're getting, just now getting their name out there, basically to like the Diaz brothers where they're well known for years and years and years mm -hmm. now Logan Paul is an upcomer I'll give him that like in the you mean Jake in, yeah the, the Paul brothers anyways they're both millionaires they both got enough money to have top trainers anything can happen in a short amount of time, time training with the right person and that's something I think everybody's come to realize through Jake Paul is if you have money and you dedicate yourself, that that's and I've said that for years. I have been I had my first amateur fight, I think it was two thousand eleven, at the Arnold in Indiana years ago. And I've said it since then that it it, it only takes dedication. There's there's so many guys that got so much talent and so much potential, but guys just don't have what it takes to stay dedicated. People don't realize that you wanna be the best. This literally has to be your life. This is your job. You have to eat, sleep, and breathe training in the gym. Otherwise, you're not going to make it to that level. No matter what your promoter does for you, what, what push you get from what gym, you're going to hit that point where you're going to come against somebody who's done nothing but train. And then that's all you're going to see. And guys don't realize it until they actually put the gloves on and, and they get in there and they put the effort in. And, you know, I've seen a lot of regional guys blow up and go big, and I've, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of celebrity guys go bigger. And, you know, it's sad because I know a lot of them regional guys have put in twice the effort and twice the work as we're sitting here watching Blueface right now. He probably hasn't even trained nine months total in his life. I know guys that have put in 10, 12 years and are lucky to make a couple grand when they fight. But, you know, that, that's what comes with the regional circuit of – Fighting, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? So that's just like Conor McGregor did way back when. If you think about it, like he started in the kickboxing and all that, then all of a sudden he turned into the you know red panty fight, and, and now he's from like the kickboxing UFC to made appearance in the BKFC. So I mean, I mean, if if, if we're we're speaking on the subject of. Uh, Regional, and then we're talking, you know, McGregor. Let, let, let's give a shout out to our local Hastings boy from Michigan. You know, mirrors McGregor. Even commentators notice that. You know, the boss Kenny Cross made his his Bellator debut against Moda at Bellator 294. You know, Kenny Kenny's owed his dues after going through the XFC and and dealing with having to make weight twice for for the contender series and then being pulled from the tough house you know the kids the kids been working hard and he deserves to be to the big show and I'm, I'm very glad to see that he made it there but I've I've said for a while now watching Kenny from afar 
He's he I know he's got a wrestling base from high school, but he's too one dimensional with the stand up. He he needs to try to incorporate some more jits and I feel like this fight with Moda what was hopefully a a, a, a lesson learned and, and a stepping stone for him to get some some proper jits training or, or maybe change up a little bit of the jits work because Kenny's got the freak athleticism. He's got the ticket sales. He's got the look. He's got the promo. He's just got to tune that craft a little bit more. Just like the old Conor McGregor would, you know? The little flaws in his game plan and then the fight game of his and shit. As soon as it, practice makes perfect, basically. If he keeps at it and all that, then by all means, I have faith. The way he talks and everything, I'm pretty sure. If he has that push, I'm pretty sure he could, ten, who's to say in 10 years, be the next kind of McGregor, you know, with the mic skills. And the and I mean, as we see, you, you don't even necessarily have to have the mic skills. Look, look at Jamal Hill. Just just have the fucking pure talent and ability. Mm-hmm. You know, another another Michigan guy, Grand Rapids guy, hats off to him, you know. What a, what a great, great career he's had and a great, great start here locally in Michigan. You know, honored to be able to say I was a part of some of them fights, fight cards. And, you know, I was I was in a locker room with that guy before he was where he's at. You know, it just goes to show, guys, it's that's somebody that put in the work, that, that, that put in the grind, that put in the effort. And Kenny's been doing that. He's just got a, got a couple more things, man, and he'll, he'll be right there with him. You know, not, not to knock or forget you know Cody Stamen he, he's still out there in the UFC I think he's like gosh what 10 plus fights in in the UFC now mm-hmm. he's been dominating doing doing fantastic I do believe his only finish loss was to the current champ Eljamain so I mean we we got a lot a lot of local guys that are still out here putting in work we had a BKFC card over the weekend and uh, I do believe, Ron, it, it was uh, Eric Lozano that fought, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, Eric Lozano fought on the uh, the BKFC card. And he was 0-1 in BKFC going into the fight. That don't mean a damn thing, and he showed that. By going out there, and I do believe the guy's last name was Ricci or, or, or Ricky. But he was 5-1, and one and he, I do believe he was a former champ or a former title contender. And Eric, I do believe, was it the first round or the second round? Ooh, I think it was the first. Goes out there and that gets an absolute brutal overhand knockout. And it was, again, let me, 0-1 against 5-1. Do not sleep on these Michigan guys. Everybody keeps knocking this area and acting like we didn't produce guys like Kevin Lee and and Dan Severn. You know, we we had guy. You know, Bobby Nash hit the UFC and was in PFL. We we got we we produce fighters from this area, and that's what it's more than just fights is trying to bring. We're trying to give those guys a platform, give those guys an opportunity to be seen and be heard. I hope Eric got got a bonus for that. He deserves it. I, I hope Eric gets a three or four more fight contract with them guys. You know, it's he he's another one. Yeah, it was KO first round right here. 
that that was he's been around forever you know and it, he he deserves this you know he, he deserves his moment his time to shine you know we we got so many guys regionally that that are up and coming and have an opportunity to be seen and be heard and that that's all they need is this one shot like this you know we we got many 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 more fighters that are just as built from this regional area and there's too many of them to name too many of them to cover that's why again i need those of you that are listening I'll, I'll mention it again later on, but you can contact us through Facebook, TikTok at the Sporting Lounge, or I'll mention my email later in the podcast. Reach out, give me fighters, give give me give me promotions, give give me people you want to see regionally in your area followed, so we can get them the platform and the time that they deserve. But with with that being said, speaking of time deserved, let's let's not forget to mention. Izzy Adesanya and that that knockout finish that he had over Alex Perea a couple weekends ago on the 8th of April. In my opinion, that that was Izzy's shining moment and I feel like now that has been taken from him because I don't know if either one of you seen recently. Izzy recently, I do believe it was his MCL, tore it in training. Mm-hmm. You've seen a little news report about that. I didn't see nothing about it. So with that being said, depending on how severe the injury is, Izzy being the warrior that he claims to be, there's already been rumors of is he going to go the Yuri route? Does he do the Yuri Prohovich and say, I'm hurt, I can't defend my title, I, I don't deserve to have it right now? What is your guys' outlook on what do you think Izzy's going to do being injured? Is he going to, now that he won it in that shining comeback, fulfilling his story moment against Perea, does he say, nope, it's mine, I'm sitting on it no matter how long I'm hurt? Or does he go that true warrior route that he claims to live by and do like Yuri did and say, I can't defend my crown so I don't deserve it? He put the work in for that fight to sit on it, I believe. I don't think he's going to sit on it. It's been a long back and forth fight with him and Alex. The way he's portraying himself to the public and the way he's portraying his quote-unquote character, you know, he's a warrior, as you were saying. Like, he does a lot of references to, like, Naruto and Dragon Ball Z. Like, low-key, he's a kid at heart. You know? But, in my opinion, it... The way he's portraying himself, he wanted to switch up like that and just be all selfish, so to speak, and just kind of sit on it. And I would, I would think that he would step down like you did and just be the next up-and-comer, so to speak, assuming that he heals. So you think he's going to sit on it because he's a kid at heart and he's got a warrior mindset? I don't think he's going to Oh, no, you think he's going he's gonna to give it up because he's a kid at heart with a warrior mindset and you feel as though he's going to sit on it because he feels like he deserves it after that war. Yeah. I understand your concept, Ron. Trevor, you're contradicting yourself in my opinion. He's a warrior, He has a warrior mindset, but he's a kid at heart. A kid at heart is going to look at you and say... No, this is mine. I won this. I'm not giving this up. Well, you can't play with it for six months. I don't care. It's mine. I'm not giving it up. So, I mean, if he's a kid at heart, wouldn't he necessarily then say, no, this is mine. I'm keeping it? 
Uh, yeah, I don't think he would the way he portrays himself to the public. It's so that, just what that whole Naruto Dragon Ball Z character gimmick that he does with his. So would he necessarily be a kid time. at heart, or more would he just be? Let's just call him what he is—an anime weeb. Yeah. Oh, okay, then we can just agree on that. Then I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that—that's. I know a couple guys. There was another guy locally from this area. He not from Michigan, but used to fight in this area. Michael Myers. And no, I'm not talking about the Halloween character. I'm talking about an actual fighter. You can follow him on TikTok. You can follow him on Facebook. He's actually pretty big on social media, and he's pretty heavy into that stuff too. So I mean, there's, you know, it's it's, it's not an uncommon thing. And I, I know quite a few guys that are into that shit and say something to him about it in joking matter and <laughs> let me know how long you stayed standing for. <laughs> so I mean, I personally. I feel like Izzy's Izzy's gonna be that guy that's gonna come out and this is gonna be where that showboat version comes out and he's gonna be like, I fucking earned it. I'm the champ. This is my... He's gonna pull a McGregor on us. And, and he's gonna give that whole showboat wearing the fancy robes like he's done at press conferences just like McGregor and, and this is my crown. I earned it. Let them all fight and, and whoever comes out on top when I'm healed, I'll, I'll take that. That's gonna... Because Perea moved on, remember? Now Perea... Thinks he's a big guy and called out Jamal, told him he was going to kick the door in, and Jamal told him he'd be standing there waiting. So, I mean, I'm curious to see. Let, let's see Perea at, a, at 205 against somebody else before he throw him right at the champ. Yeah, he just lost a belt fight. I don't think he deserves a back-to-back -back belt fight after a loss. 100% agreed. He needs a tune-up. He needs a tune-up for sure. He's really good. He's really good. Don't get me wrong, but he's just not the best in his division. Agreed, and I don't think he is at 205 either. I don't think he's even, oh gosh. I feel like he would, and it's sad to say, I feel like he'd struggle with guys like Johnny Walker. I'm a, I'm a huge Anthony Smith fan, and I feel like Anthony Smith would wrestle smother fuck him. the shit out smother of him. him. Yeah, smother him, just wrestle fuck the shit out of him. But well, we'll see when he goes up there. Um, speaking of going up there and going different places, um, BKFC over this weekend, guys. <laughs> We had uh, Mendez and Alvarez. That was an absolute war. That that fight, uh, hats off to Eddie. That's what Ryan should have done. He should have went out on his shield like that. But that is not, unfortunately, the story of the night. The story of the night is the bad boy from Flint, Mike Perry, Platinum Mike Perry, going out there against the UFC's cologne and clothing line model Luke Rockhold <laughs> and stopping him after round two and I don't know if you guys have seen the reason Luke stopped is because Dave Feltman even confirmed I have him on social media that Luke had such severe damage to his teeth he refused to continue Mike went out there and broke the model's mouth he said welcome to bare knuckle Luke this is something different and I feel like after the James Lane fight and the MVP fight and now the Luke Rockhold fight, Platinum Mike Perry is something serious in yeah. bare knuckle. He is. He, he's definitely one to bang. I want to see him in, in UFC. He was in UFC. He, he was in UFC for a while. He, he, didn't, he didn't do too well. He was real controversial. You know, he, he's Mike Perry, though. He's built for bare knuckle. He's a guy that runs his mouth, talks shit, and he can be composed like he was before this fight, or he can be the guy at the bar, the white guy, that's 
yelling racial slurs and telling people that it's okay because it's where he grew up from. Like, it, it, it all depends. You never know what side of platinum mic you're going to get, but that's what makes him so fun and interesting, and that's what makes him so fit for the BKFC because he's, he's that wild cannon that no matter what he does at the end of the day, you either want to see him get knocked out or you see, want to see him knock somebody out. I mean, after the fight, he even had McGregor jumped in the ring. There was a little spout, and Platinum Mike and McGregor got face-to-face. Now McGregor's posted on social media a picture of himself that said BKFC 185, question mark. Feltman shared it on social media earlier today. I would love to see that. I'm a big McGregor fan. To see him do bare knuckle? That's a sport that if McGregor, if McGregor can hold up in it, he could be one of the best in it, in my opinion, because his footwork and his uppercuts. hands. He has really good uppercuts, dude, and I feel like his clinch with the uppercuts. People fail to realize that there's, there's a reason he did so well. Yes, he didn't win, but I still don't care what anybody says. He did okay. He did well, in my opinion, against Floyd. He was a amateur boxing coach at his gym in Ireland before he started getting heavy in the UFC. That guy boxed amateur for a while. That guy knows how to box. Why do you think he was knocking mixed martial arts guys out? Look at Logan Paul, or I mean Jake Paul. Knocking MMA guys out is easy for a trained boxer to do because MMA footwork and stance and movement is totally different than boxing. And if you don't adjust your game and do the right things, you leave yourself open and... An average boxer will pick apart a great mixed martial artist, and Jake Paul showed that with Anderson Silva. So, as far as McGregor doing well in BKFC, no doubt it's a question of can McGregor hold up in BKFC. Michael Venom Page did great in BKFC against Platinum Mike Perry too, but he just couldn't hold up. His hands weren't used to that kind of damage because he wears the MMA gloves, and his body wasn't used to them kind of shots. That's the first time MVP had been dropped in quite a while. And Platinum Mike put him down and made him do the stanky leg on the way down. Like, I love I love Venom Page, but Platinum Mike embarrassed him. MVP. Yes. Left his hands down way too much. I understand this is a taunting game when you got the gloves off. I understand his game is all about taunting, but it could have been really bad for him. He's got I feel like he could learn something and come back and be something really good. His speed is something really crazy. I don't know what weight he's at. Uh, I do believe he fought at 70, or it was a catch weight at 75, because he fights MMA at 70, 55, 70, I do believe, maybe 70, 80. Somebody, again, I'm sure will correct me on that if I'm wrong. Okay. But that's my concern with McGregor in BKFC, is McGregor might get too cocky, too arrogant at the wrong time, and you do that against, like, a Julian Lane, you know, let me bang Julian Lane. He... he he he's gonna mess around and take your jaw off. Yeah. You know, but platinum Michael do the Mike same Perry thing. Like you they, you can't do that with these guys. And these MMA guys are gonna come in and find that out. Now those MMA guys that are known for firefights like Mendez and Alvarez and Perry, they're doing well. We do have those MMA that transfer over that don't succeed. Boxers too. We see it happen all the time. You know, it's it's a part of the game. 
that's why there are so many games to pick from, whether you want to pick BKFC, Toe to the Line, UFC, Bellator, PFL, Showtime Boxing, local regional shows, Clips MMA, Clips Boxing, Lights Out. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's all... It's all a different show, a different gimmick. It's all about picking where you want to be, where you fit in, where you can draw tickets, and where you can get your best experience, whether that be your best fight matchup, whether that be your funnest fight, whether that be your hometown. So thankfully now we're blessed that there's so many different combat sports, whether it's regional or big scene, that we have so many different options and a variety to be able to speak upon like this. So... While we're talking about different combat sports, we're going to get ready to transition here in just a moment over to uh, some pro wrestling talk. So Trevor took off uh, probably about five, ten minutes ago on us. Not sure where he disappeared to, but say goodbye, Trevor. That being said, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and thank you, Ron, for, for coming on today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you showing up. You know, appreciate putting you your... having me, bro. Um, this opportunity was big. I appreciate every moment of it. Uh, any anytime you want me on, I'm down. I'm game. Definitely, definitely, and we'll we'll be keeping everybody updated as to what you got going on with your fight scene and when your next fight is. Hopefully, we can have some big news coming for you soon. With that being said, we're gonna uh, go ahead and allow all you you bloody elbow combat sports fans that prefer. No drama when it comes to your fights. As far as scripted scenes, go ahead and take your exit now if you choose to do so because we're going to get into, as Trevor calls it, some uh, male soap opera talk. All right, and with that, we're going to go ahead and wish Mr. London best of luck in his journeys and tell him goodbye as we get ready to uh, transition here into a little bit of pro wrestling talk. We're going to veer away now from MMA and boxing and regional elements and allow those pro wrestling fans that have been patiently waiting their turn this time to hear what they've been waiting for. Uh, before we do jump over to that, I do want to give the listeners a method to be able to contact us. I guess I should have done that last episode, supposing I asked who you guys wanted to hear me speak about who I, who you guys wanted me to take the time out of my day to follow regionally from your area. Um, if you don't already follow us, The Sporting Lounge on Facebook, you can also follow us on TikTok. You can also contact us at uh, The Sporting Lounge on Facebook through Messenger. Uh, you can also message the TikTok. We have an Instagram, and I do believe there will be a Twitch page coming soon enough we, we got a lot of things cooking over here at the sporting lounge and uh, a lot of a lot of irons in the fire per se um if you want to reach me directly with any questions or concerns feel free to look me up on facebook or contact me via email that email is 2894 r-o-l-l-e-r-g at gmail.com feel free to ask me any questions any concerns any comments any corrections you have any fighters you want me to follow any indie circuits for pro wrestling you may want me to keep an eye on. Feel free to reach out and let me know. Um, with that said, we're going to go ahead and dive right into the the biggest news, in my opinion, when it comes to pro wrestling, outside of possible signings, which would be the WWE draft that has taken place this week ahead of 
the upcoming Backlash pay-per-view in about uh, a week or so from now. Um, this portion of the podcast will be a solo talk. So those of you that can't stand to listen to one person just ramble and give their opinion open-ended uh, might not be the segment for you right now. Because um, unfortunately this week we do not have a co-host for the pro wrestling segment of the show, which is no problem with me. I can go ahead and just chew your guys' ear off for 45 minutes to an hour with plenty of information and being opinionative enough to where I feel like you can argue in your own head while you listen to me and hopefully enjoy it the whole time. So, as far as the draft goes, um, we have I have the first four rounds. Uh, they selected two, two per round, and they were allowed if they selected a team. Um, for example, if the New Day is selected, they could select all three members of the New Day as one pick in that round. So, with that said, the first round, first selection of the WWE draft of 2023 was SmackDowns, and it was Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Solo Sokoa as a unit in one pick. Now, that's, that's not a bad pick, and my only, only reason in bringing that up and, and going down a rabbit hole on this one is remember the comment I made last week regarding Solo Sokoa. And Sokoa being the Dave Batista to Triple H with Roman. The Usos are starting to get exposed. I don't know if anybody caught it last week, but um, Friday, the Usos did take a loss. Actually, it was last night. Took a loss to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And it doesn't look as though Roman has much of an interest in keeping the Usos around. He has full intentions of using Solo and keeping Solo, therefore leading more to my point of the Usos are expendable and disposable, and Roman's keeping Solo there because he's afraid of possible outcomes with Solo. So before I start rambling on that, that's, that's Notice that the Usos were not taken with the rest of the bloodline, and they took a loss later that night. Moving on, Raw's first pick, obvious no-brainer, right? The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Everybody knows with Raw getting the new World Heavyweight title, getting the big gold belt, that gold belt was brought back for one man, and that was the man that's supposed to complete the story. So what better way with the rivalry than with Brock? than to create a new belt and let him slay the beast like all the other greats have done, like like Cena did back in the day, like Rollins had to do, like Reigns had to do. Everybody had to go through their Brock phase to be the face. And Cody's got to go through that as well. Um, SmackDown's second pick in the first round, Bianca Belair. Raw matches it with Becky Lynch. So solid first round for both brands, male and female. Um... Curious to see what they're going to do with Bianca having the Raw title and coming to SmackDown. She cut a promo referencing being the SmackDown champion and how much holding that title means to her. However, Charlotte Flair is the SmackDown champion. And comments were made about not being part-time. and So I'm curious as to if there might be a little, little underlying heat there, some real heat, some backstage drama with how Bianca feels about how Charlotte is being treated. Because it's well documented that Charlotte Flair is a drama queen per se. She she is 
her father's daughter. She wants to be the face of the company because she knows her worth, and if you don't want to give her that, she has no problem sitting out. So Bianca's one that's looked at as, as a grinder and an everyday hard worker, so be curious to see how that one works out. Um, Becky Lynch can be used anywhere. I hate the storyline, the way they created it with her and Trish, but it has great potential, and Becky is phenomenal on the mic. I wish she would gain a little more weight and get a little bit better in ring. I feel like since the baby, she's lost a step, but it happens, you know. It, it's part of life. Um, Moving on from that, while we're on the subject of the bloodline and Solo, we might as well touch on the fact that the Usos, excuse me, the Usos just took their second loss in a row to KO and Sami Zayn. And KO took multiple super kicks and still kicked out. Sami hit one Huluva kick to get away. Solo tried to interfere. Riddle prevented it. Usos lose. Paul Heyman got a call before, well, during the match telling Solo that now was the time and it was his night. It had already been made clear that Roman was willing to write off the Usos depending on how their performance for the titles. So are we finally starting to see the downfall of the bloodline? The Usos couldn't be selected Friday night with the draft, but they can be selected Monday. Is Roman even going to want them on SmackDown with him? My opinion, if the WWE was smart, they wouldn't they wouldn't even put him on the same brand. They they put him on the opposite brand and blame it on that and then allow the storyline to pick back up later on. Do not allow Roman and Solo just to, to squash the Usos. They've already been misused as dominant powerhouses while at the same time being the champion's lackeys that can be taken out with one shot by the most recent championship contender. So They've been very misused, and I would hate to continue to see the WWE do that to them. They're in a great storyline. They have great potential, but they just they don't know what to do with them, I feel like. Um, outside of that, I think it's only a matter of time before Solo really makes his big push, especially now that it's just him and Roman. We're going to get to see what he can do by himself without the Usos. We're going to see more Solo screen time. So this is this is going to be a big opportunity for that whole storyline to play out, while at the same time it completely just killed the Reigns Cody storyline. That's that's done. <laughs> There's no way the WWE is taking the title off of Roman Reigns. I almost guarantee he'll break. I do believe it's San Martino's record, and he, they said he would. I do believe I looked it up. He'd have to hold it till approximately 2028 to break that record. But they. They brought in the guy that helped start their competition. And after bringing in him and making the whole world believe he's going to get the belt at WrestleMania, you don't allow that to happen. But then within a month or two, you create a whole nother title. A world title. And ironically, that guy that you worked so hard to take from the competition gets put on that brand when that title's vacant. So we all know the outcome to that. They're, they're the And that should tell you right there the way Vince, Paul Levesque, the WWE, and now even Endeavor, because they're in control, value Roman Reigns. 
Roman Reigns' face value today may be what The Rock's was. Oh gosh, I, I'd even go say like 2010. Not even when he was peak pro wrestling. When he just started to peak movies and pro wrestling appearances were insane. It, it's Roman Reigns is a ticket draw, period. And the WWE knows that, and they're not going to take the belt off of him. So, the Cody Roman thing, unfortunately for all of us that wanted to see Cody be the one to dethrone the bloodline, that's not going to happen. It, it's going to be Solo Sokoa. I will keep saying that until it happens. Solo is going to be the reason the bloodline falls apart. I said that when he was in NXT before he was a part of the group. And the WWE, I feel like, feels they owe Cody something. So instead of killing one ticket to build another, they just are doing what they did back in 06. They're doing the brand split, and they finally are being smart. I don't know if this is Endeavor. I don't know if this is Vince after he came back and watched after he was on the sidelines for a while, but somebody within corporate there has decided, hey, we're on two major market brands, USA and Fox. We have a lot of big name faces. Why do we have both belts on one guy? And now they're finally getting smart and you're going to get more screen time for guys like Montez Ford and more screen time for guys like LA Knight, who these guys have potential and have great opportunity, but they just haven't been given the chance because of the way WWE has done their booking. So, yeah, we're gonna see we're gonna see some storylines we wanted, like Cody Roman dissolve and fiddle out, and ones that we're not maybe too fond of, like Brock and Cody. But we're also gonna see guys like LA Knight and and Montez Ford and Xavier Woods even start to get pushes, and guys that really deserve the time are going to start to get their time. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence, you know, I, I can look, I'm willing to be open-minded enough to look at both sides and understand where somebody could stand on either end of the spectrum regarding the brand split in the new title. Um, sticking with the draft, uh, speaking of Montez Ford, uh, SmackDown, second round, first pick, they selected Ford and Dawkins. A lot of people thought they were going to be split up, that we were going to see them get a singles push. I personally think we're still going to see that. I, I feel like somehow, someway, the WWE, with everybody who is a hardcore and even some of the casuals now know that Bianca and Ford are a thing, it wouldn't be hard to take Dawkins and turn Dawkins on Ford and have the fans be okay with it. I mean, we all watched Ford go from the skinny, scrawny, I mean, borderline reminding you uh, of Chris Rock, you know, just just strung out, you know, it just over the top for no reason. And then we watched him grow. And we watched him go from the spazzy guy on the mic, the, the skinny, scrawny guy in the ring, to developing into the wrestler he is, getting a body behind himself, cutting good promos, being more than just a catchphrase, and him having the relationship with one of the female faces of the company makes it easier for the company to push him. Dawkins has been more quiet. He's been went from being the powerhouse to now he's almost looked as the background guy, the fill-in guy, the fall guy. Ford is 
the face of that tag team now through and through. So I still think Ford gets his push. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Do I feel like a Dawkins turn would be a good idea? No, but this is WWE. So do I think that's a possibility? Yes, unfortunately. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Raw selected uh, Imperium, Gunther, the Intercontinental Champ, and uh, Kaiser and uh, Giovanni Vinci. I mean, it's... it's it's a good pick. I wish that they would have split them up, honestly. I, I honestly would have rather seen Gunther have to go out on his own, not have his, his henchmen, his minion with him, because then potentially he loses the IC, but then becomes refocused, revamped, and goes for a world title shot. Because the, the lackeys are only going to be able to do so much, so much for him for so long, and he's been close to losing already. I like the character that he is, and he has a potential to be face or heel. However they want to feed him to the fans is however the fans are taking him. So that that pick, is it, it could have gone sooner, it could have gone later. It all depends on who's going to be running Raw and who's going to be booking those shows. Um, I do like the idea of him with Woods. Maybe, who knows, maybe we see Raw draft New Day and Big E returns. I don't know, it's... Hypothetical, you never say never. We haven't heard much about the guy in a while, and it was a traumatic injury, but he, he appears to be doing better and recovering a lot quicker than everybody anticipated. So, never say never there. Um, SmackDown's second pick of the second round the rated R Superstar Edge. Um, that's a no brainer. Fox, bigger network, bigger paycheck, Hall of Fame, legend contract. Edge is only doing a couple matches here and there. Judgment Day is probably going to go to SmackDown. So, uh, yep, it doesn't doesn't surprise me. Edge is going to go. Raw is the weaker of the two brands, to be honest, rating-wise right now anyway. And Edge wants to go where he can get the bigger paycheck. Um, a lot of people wanted to see Edge go to Raw for that world title. I just, I, it's not what Edge is there for. He said there already. He's there to make moments now in his career. He, he's beyond world titles. Um, other end of the spectrum... Raw again, this really surprised me. They took Riddle. Um, I have no issue with Riddle himself. Um, if you know who Matt Riddle is, back on The Ultimate Fighter in the early 2000s, that, bro, um, I just sound like a generic stoner. That's, that's Riddle. That's his legitimate voice. Like That guy really sounds like that all the time. And people hate on it, and people knock it, and they're like, oh, he's trying too hard. No, that's Go watch some of those old Ultimate Fighter interviews. Go 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 watch when he almost got his arm broke back in the tough house. Like he's he that's who he is. That's not an act. That's not a gimmick. He is an MMA fighter that he's a Cali surfer guy. And it, it, it's it's perfect. It, he does it so well that fans hate it. But it's very played out. Unless Raw plans on bringing Randy Orton back sometime soon. I, I don't I don't see why grab Riddle so early. Yeah, he's a fan favorite, but he's not even he's athletic, but in ring wrestling wise, he doesn't do anything that ooze and ozzy. He, he, his chain wrestling's okay, but he's not he's not a Kurt Angle. Hell, in my opinion, he's not even a Chad Gable. He, he can't hit some of the chain wrestling that some of these legitimate amateur wrestlers can, and he's not he's not high flying ability like 
Commander, formerly known as Sin Cara, who had an amazing match against Jay White on AEW. If you guys missed that, look that one up, watch that. I promise that you'll see some, some rope walking that'll blow your mind. But Riddle's not doing anything like that. So, unless you're getting him, again, just for the ticket draw, but... I, I, I don't know. Again, that that's the same thing with Imperium, where we're going to have to see what they do with Raw. Maybe, I guess there's a reason Raw is the number two brand right now with picks like this, right? <laughs> um, in addition to that, though, Riddle did come out during the Usos tag match against Zayn and KO that night. And he attacked Solo. So they got him going through this thing with Solo. But Solo was the first pick with Roman and Heyman to SmackDown. Riddle's the last pick in the second round for Raw. So what are we going to do with Riddle now? He doesn't have Randy anymore. You don't have a title you can push him for because you got Gunther with the IC on Raw now. And he's already supposedly got a thing going with Woods. If you put Woods on Raw, I mean, the tag titles, he, he's buddies with the tag champs, Kale and Zayn, but he doesn't have, he, what are you going to do with Riddle? What, where, where is the, the purpose now that he is not on the same show as Solo? Why even have him get involved in that match at the end? Why not have a superstar from SmackDown get involved? To feed to a new storyline. It just it, it didn't didn't make any sense to me other than the fact that Riddle was pissed off and still wanted to get one on Solo, and they didn't know how else to keep Solo from getting involved in the match, whether it was to help the Usos or to hurt them. So I don't know. It's it's Raw's got a, a couple questionable picks in my opinion. Um but next round, they did grab SmackDown, went with Bobby Lashley, which I, I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. I understand that. You're probably going to try to grab Theory and keep him over there. You got to have big names, big challengers to go up against Roman, make it look fun, work the while. Bobby's one that, you know, never really fully got his opportunity, but got his opportunity. People still are on the fence on whether or not what could have happened. Same thing with KO. Um, but... On the other side, Raw, they went with McIntyre. You know, safe pick. I feel like same concept. You know, they got a guy that, hell, they could put him up against Rhodes for that world title, and I don't think anybody would have any issue or bat an eye at that match or, or think twice about it. Um, both Lashley and McIntyre, ironically, both left, went to TNA at one point, were world champions, you know, came back. They paid their dues. Lashley has shown he's gotten a lot better on the mic lately. He's cut a lot better promos as of recent compared to what he used to do a lot less and stuttering and shouting words on the microphone it's smoother um which is nice to see from somebody like bobby because he, he deserves to get the screen time and if he can't cut a promo lord knows he ain't gonna get the screen time especially not working for endeavor now that they own the wwe um next pick smackdown Third round, last pick. Now dwell on this one for a minute after I tell you guys. 
AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and Mia Yim, the OC. Yeah, yeah, I, I stayed quiet for a minute. I said Mia Yim. How in the hell are we just going to throw Mia Yim in this group? Because she came in and she helped at one point in time, so now she's just automatically a part of it? I don't... I don't understand it. I love the return. After they were picked, they came out to the ring. Viking Raiders came out. Valhalla came out, formerly Sarah Logan with Viking Raiders. AJ stand in the ring, ask them if they want to fight. They say no. AJ says, I get it, four on three, unfair. Hops on the top turnbuckle and says, OC, handle your business. The OC proceeded to clear the ring of the Viking Raiders in less than 90 seconds. Now, the Viking Raiders have always been used as a team to come in and destroy and obliterate anybody at any time if they catch them off guard. They had the OC destroy them completely and then AJ come back in right at the end and hit I do believe it was on Ivar because Eric got hit with the OC's finisher and then AJ turns around as he's leaving and hits a a phenomenal forearm on Ivar so to be completely laid out in less than two minutes both members and then AJ's response to be we're just getting started Smackdown that's going to be, if anybody, who who challenges Roman and makes it believable is going to be AJ Styles. I love that pick, but I hate Mia Yim being in it. I don't understand that. I don't understand why she's in that group. Maybe somebody can contact me and give me some backdrop info that I didn't know, but that just doesn't make any sense to me. Love the selection. Hate the fact that Mia's in the group. Raw. Again, this one I get. You're on the USA Network. They have their show on USA Network, Ticket Draw. Lord help Raw if they have Vince running their show because I don't know what they're going to do with these guys. Their pick was The Miz. Again, a good veteran. He can help some young guys. My hope is that Raw grabs some NXT stars. Get Braun Breaker. Go, Go grab Grayson Waller. Get some of these young guys that some of these veterans, like the Miz could make Grayson Waller something special on the mic. The guy knows what to do in the ring. He Let him get the right backing and build a, a decent fan base on the main roster. Same thing for Breaker. So hopefully that's what they use Raw as, is, is you know the, the first step for the developmental guys, which is sad to say the longest-running weekly episodic television program been around since 93 is now used as the step up from developmental crazy how times change but there was one round left during the draft Friday night and then they'll do another round Monday Smackdown grabs damage control you know Okay, you know, we all expected Bailey and them to get grabbed. Raw again with another controversial picks. A superstar that's been out on the injury list. Just came back, been getting a big push. I don't know how I feel about the the rivalry with Cross because there's no information on it, but they grabbed Shinsuke Nakamura. 
Shinsuke's a good vet. Shinsuke's got experience. Hopefully, they're using him with Cross to help build Cross. Yes, Cross has been around for a while, but not on the main circuit with WWE. So, hopefully, Shin can help push Cross and we can really get a main event worthy match out of carrying Cross. Um, next pick. Uh, SmackDown grabbed Elba Fire and Isla Dawn, the NXT Women Champ. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I don't. I don't watch much NXT. Uh, not a big developmental fan. And to be honest, during the whole Wednesday Night Wars, I was, I was sided with AEW. <laughs> so, didn't watch many many Wednesday Night NXTs. Uh, and now that it's on Tuesday, that's Tuesday and occasionally Thursday are the two nights where I don't watch pro wrestling. I mean, I might turn on some Impact on Thursdays or, you know, but. I, I do have other sports and other things and kids and other hobbies as well, guys. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I, I don't spend five days a week on combat sports. Um, but I'm curious to see, because I have seen clips, for those of you that don't know, it's the red-headed tag team out of Scotland. Um, and it, they, they got some potential. They, they got challenged for their titles this coming Tuesday because there's a tag team on NXT that doesn't want them to leave with the belt. So, I'll probably tune in Tuesday to see what it's like and then give you guys a little more insight on how I feel regarding that on the next episode. Um, however, Raw did grab Indy Hartwell, the NXT Women's Champ. And I have followed Indy for a little bit. She had some stuff with uh, Gargano and Dexter Loomis. And I'm excited to see what she can do. I'm excited to see if they put her back with Dexter and them on the main brand. Are they going to keep Dexter over there? Are they going to keep Theory there? Are they going to have both of my I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a lot that could happen, but I really do like that as the last pick for Raw from the uh, the draft this past Friday. There's there's still a lot of guys that could be selected, a lot of things that could happen, a lot of shakeups. We still don't know what's going on with the Mysterios, where they're going to go, Judgment Day, Theory. So, I mean, there's the New Day. We, we got a lot of teams out there still. Um, hell, Brock. He, he still ain't been picked. You know, there, there's there's a lot still out there. Um, I already kind of touched on the Brock thing a little bit. Uh, anything else WWE-wise I should cover before? Oh, yes. Backlash. Puerto Rico. Bad Bunny. He has come out and made it clear what his intentions are. Bad Bunny does want a match at Backlash. However... It is not going to involve Rey Mysterio and Dominic. I have a feeling they're going to kind of let that rivalry die out for a minute. They're pushing the LWO, I feel like. And in order to do that, they're trying to push the Latin fan base. So they're doing Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest in a street fight at Backlash in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So I'm curious to see... Now I feel like Bunny's trying to up himself from WrestleMania. Bunny showed us he knows how to perform in-ring. Bunny wants to show us how much punishment he can take, I feel like. And uh, for those of you that understand this, let's just hope he doesn't go a uh, uh, a David Arquette route. <laughs> let, let, let's not have any major injuries here. You know, it, it, Hats off to Bad Bunny and, and, and Logan Paul and them guys that get in there and actually put the effort in and learn how to do the things and... 
you know, because it's 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 no joke. But let's remember that this is real. Let's not go out there and try to overdo it. You know, this isn't a concert where if you you try too hard and you stutter on some lyrics, you know, you try too hard and you break your back, you broke your back. There's and that ruins guys' careers. But I'm I'm curious to see how that match goes and and how that one plays out. Um, in addition to that, I don't think there's much new outside of the draft, WWE-wise, that's going on. Um, however, AEW has also had quite a bit going on. Um, they had the return most recently, um, about, I think it was two Wednesdays ago now, of Jeff Hardy. Um, came out, helped his brother Matt, uh, helped Isaiah Cassidy and Hook with the whole firm situation. Um, had a really bad edited video promo with Big Bill and Isaiah this past week where Isaiah got choke slammed and but that that was more so I feel like Matt Hardy trying too hard again on a promo. But we get the concept behind where it's going. Now we get the privilege of a compound match, uh, the Hardy compound with the Hardys against the firm. I do believe the Hardys have Hook as well. So it's 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 a good way to help push and elevate Hook with a more popular fan base by using the Hardys. Um, it's a good return for Jeff, a good reason for Jeff to come back, and I love Jeff's promo when he came out last week and he got on the mic and he said, you know, I, I made a lot of mistakes and I feel like what's best for me is I need to walk away. I need to retire. And the crowd kind of went with a hush. And then he yells into the mic from screwing up. <laughs> so hats off to him. Nothing like a guy that can own up to his mistakes and then recognize where he was wrong and, and be willing to say, hey, I did that and I need to correct it and move forward. Um, outside of that, as far as like tag division goes, AEW, uh, the acclaimed are still just getting squash match after squash match, you know, getting hyped, getting pushed. Um, haven't seen much from the gun club in a week or two. Um, however, the whole Ring of Honor cast, um, Cash, Dax, FTR, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Mark Briscoe, Sanjay Dutt. I love the whole little storyline they have going there with they're all fighting over Mark, basically. You know, Mark lost Jay, unfortunately, tragic accident. And uh, he, he came back to pro wrestling and all of his old Ring of Honor buddies kind of came together and tried to stick up for him after he was assaulted by some undercard guys. They all partnered together and then we actually ended up having an issue and a rivalry and then we had a match between, I do believe it was Jeff Jarrett and I think it was Cash Wheeler is who he versed. Um, end of the match, Jarrett's handed the tag title by Sanjay Dutt. He's clutching it, hanging on to it. Issues occur. All this stemmed from Mark and Mark not being okay with wanting to do an eight-man tag match and then Mark being assaulted. Regardless what the storyline and the plot is, they're giving us a reason to be interested in this original group of six to eight Ring of Honor guys. We already have a reason to follow guys like Samoa Joe. So this is giving Ring of Honor a potential base to where next pay-per-view they could drop these guys' names as headliners and now all of a sudden even, even a hardcore like myself would be more interested if we had FTR and, the, and Mark Briscoe against 
Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and hell, do the Giant, you know, you know, or even Sanjay. It doesn't matter, you know. It's it's they had Christopher Daniels came back for a match against Moxley the other day, and Moxley showed respect in ring and said you got to have honor in the ring, and then assaulted him in the back. So they're giving these Ring of Honor guys some screen time and trying to give them an opportunity to reach the fan base before they really try to give Ring of Honor their own push. I know Ring of Honor has its own streaming site and service now and their own weekly programming, but it's still not what Tony Khan envisioned it being, I don't think. And give that man time. This is a man with money and an and, and imagination. <laughs> so who knows where he'll take that. Um, outside of the tag division, um, we did have the return of Luchasaurus and Christian. Um, we've seen Brian Cage, or not Brian Cage, I apologize, um, Wardlow recently partner up with Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson has kind of taken him under his wing and helped him get back that TNT title and he had a match with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, got the win, and then Christian Cage reappeared with Luchasaurus, approached the ring, Wardlow laid the belt down, asked him to come in, Christian stepped back off the steps, attempted to leave, and Lucha refused to leave. Uh, Christian had to physically get in his ear and persuade him to leave. They've given Luchasaurus this red and black, almost early 2000s cane look. Um, right down to the fire and pyro when he walks out and almost the same ominous music. Uh, I like Luchasaurus personally. I like his in-ring ability. I like what he can do. I feel like this is the best gimmick for him at the moment is to be Christian's minion, Christian's powerhouse, Christian's hitman per se because Christian Cage is definitely somebody that can elevate you off of his presence and his face time alone. So I do love that that storyline and that plot they have going there um something i don't love that aew just did recently i understand trevor made the comment last week too it's just different companies doing the same story a different way why did we have to watch adam cole get handcuffed by jericho and the jas and then the outcasts, primarily just Soraya, beating her with a kendo stick as Adam pleads with Jericho. The same way Edge did Judgment Day when they cracked Beth with the chair. And that wasn't even six months ago. If we're going to redo storylines, can, can we wait a year? <laughs> can, can we change them? more than just the weapon that we use to assault the wrestler's wife or significant other. It's, I like it. I, I, I like it as far as Adam Cole against Jericho, but I don't like the storyline and the way they went about it. Yes, they just brought in Roderick Strong. I love that. I love, I love that Roddy stayed low-key, stayed hidden, debuted in his hometown, well, not his hometown, his home state, so he could drive to the stadium. They said roughly only 10 people knew he was debuting that night. Now, he's not been with WWE since November. And recent rumors is WWE went into a hiring freeze and now they're in a quote-unquote budget cut phase again. In other words, they're going to be firing a bunch of stars again. So 
Roderick Strong took the opportunity and decided to sign with the company now, knowing that there was no no chance to go back to WWE, but keep it so discreet that his appearance and his debut got genuine heat and pop. There were legitimate legitimate reactions that fans hadn't had in a long time regarding a debut, almost since Sting for AEW. And AEW needs that. They're, they're trying to fill Wembley Stadium in August and bringing back Jeff to potentially have a Hardy Line story gimmick, the rebirth of Luchasaurus, Adam Cole, Jericho. Now you bring Roderick Strong in. Let's give Bobby Fish and somebody, for God's sakes, fix Kyle O'Reilly. Let's get Kyle O'Reilly back. Give, give me the, the Undisputed Era against the JAS while we can go ahead and we can do the BCC against with Moxley and them against Omega and the Elite, and then we can cap them two off at the pay-per-view in, in August with the Elite versus the Undisputed Era. They have great potential here. And then... The the main storyline that they have going, not to mention the side storylines with Hobbs and, and Wardlow and and Swerve and Keith Lee and, and Keith Lee teaming up with Dustin Rhodes now to reform Naturally Limitless, but then Swerve coming out with uh, 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 Prince Allah, I think it was, and, and the Ring of Honor trios. Like, Tony Khan is smart. He's building everything up but nothing is comparing to what he has going on with his four pillars. He's got MJF paying off Sammy Guevara to win his way to a title match to do the finger poke of death and lay down for MJF. But, hold the phone, Darby Allen and Jungle Boy got an issue, bring it up, tag match coming up, they win, we get a fatal four-way. Everybody's everybody knows they're the MJF, Sammy Guevara. They're gonna they're gonna do what they got to do to get their win. But what does a man do when his wife comes to him and questions his pride, his dignity, and his decision making? Because that's what just happened to Sammy Guevara. Storyline or not, that's the perfect thing to do. Was to have. Ty come and confront him and ask him basically what the hell are you doing and why are you doing it and you could see it in his face the contemplation the decision making the wheels turning they have a chance to go through each guy one by one and they can go Sammy first and then they could pick Darby or Jungle Boy and they could cap it off with the other one at all in and run this four pillars thing out and build it up into something huge. So, all while doing this, there's rumors circulating CM Punk's coming back in July to the Chicago show. AEW wants to do a brand split. They want to do away with Friday Air. They want to do Saturday Air TV, call it Collision, make a couple new titles. Sounds a lot like what the WWE's doing. Don't know how true it is. Definitely intriguing, definitely exciting. The CM Punk return is almost all but 100% confirmed. So it is, 
it is definitely going to get interesting here in the next few weeks, few months in AEW and in the WWE. They've definitely both stirred things up and shaken things up quite a bit. And with that said, I, I hope this last 40, 45 minutes of me rambling on and chewing your ear off about everything pro wrestling I feel like I need to cover has been suffice and sufficient for you guys. Uh, I appreciate everybody's time. I appreciate all the listeners. Thank you again to the Sporting Lounge for giving me a place to put my message out there and give you guys a chance to hear some informative information regarding some combat sports. And thank you again to Mr. London for tuning in with us earlier today. I appreciate that. And to everybody else out there, have a good night.